recording. Welcome to That's what it's gonna be. <laughs> All right, hello and welcome to Tube Night, our generic TV show podcast. We're two TV show enthusiasts with no background or training in TV or film. But we love watching shows and then talking about things while laughing at all of our own jokes. This season, we're watching Star Trek, the original series, which I've seen. It's uh, one of my favorite series and definitely one I love to curl up on the couch with. And I have not seen it. I mean, not to say that I am not vaguely familiar because it is such a big part of our pop culture. But yeah, I haven't seen anything to do with the show. Um, All I know is that there's a Spock. (laughs) there's a Kirk and (laughs) they see creatures and um, oh Klingon I think is a thing and then their uniforms look like they're made out of velour which I imagine they are and that's that's pretty much the extent of it so yeah awesome (laughs) Um, so we started off we've just finished watching um, the pilot episode The Cage um, so I'll let you go first. What 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 did you think? General impressions, and then maybe we can walk through the episode. Okay, so I think just again, based on just pop culture consumption of not necessarily the show, but what people think about the show, I was expecting it to be not great. Like I was expecting it to be quite campy and quite cartoony and easy to laugh at, but surprisingly engaging. Like I'm not I'm not big on sci-fi because I struggle to like when I read and watch tv shows I'm very big picture I struggle to keep details straight in my head so I struggle with sci-fi and like high fantasy and that kind of thing so I kind of went into it expecting either not to like it or not to be able to follow it or to zone out or not pay attention and surprisingly that wasn't the case and just before we started recording I did mention that as soon as we started watching it, I noticed it was going to be an hour long episode and I was kind of dreading it, but the hour went by surprisingly fast. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So spoiler alert for anyone who's listening, if you haven't seen the the pilot episode, we're going to be like giving it all away. So pause now (laughs) if you want to go watch it and then rejoin us. But if you don't care, you've already seen it, then then keep listening. Um, Yeah. I'll admit I watched the pilot episode a number of years ago. Okay. So a bit of a story time. When I was a teenager, um, my dad would watch Star Trek, the original series, and I couldn't get into it because it just felt so dated and like Mm kind of goofy and I couldn't take it seriously. And then when I got to uni, I watched it then it was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like I can understand it. I can take it seriously and laugh at the silly parts and it's fine. But as a teenager, like did not have like the self, I don't know, confidence or identity to be able to sit down and enjoy it. It was too much. Um, So I'll admit, I haven't seen the pilot episode in quite a while and was kind of struggling with like, what is this again? Um, (laughs) How does this, because I remember it's very different. Um, So I don't want to like spoil it for you um, because we've still got so many episodes, but like it does differ from the rest of the series. Pretty like- noticeably like you notice there's no Kirk in that episode there's no Kirk exactly my first thought was so I guess maybe diving a little bit into the plot as well yeah um when the when the episode starts you have this this to me 
very unlikable captain but this captain character <laughs> yeah. who, you know is like misogynistic straight off the bat he's making the tough calls but it's like worn him down and he's beaten and he's tired and he just wants to take a break and go to i don't know the equivalent of retire on a ranch and fish and farm and whatever yeah. right like that's where it opens and he's having this conversation over a martini and a beaker with the <laughs> ship's doctor <laughs> about how he's just like burnt out essentially so I thought that like my impression at that point was okay so this is his exit and Kirk's entry yeah somehow right but no no (laughs) (laughs) and also like captain feels like an important position right it is pretty much highest up on the hierarchy on this ship so like for Kirk who like I know I know something about his personality in that he's supposed to be a bit of like a rule breaker and does what Mm -hmm. he wants rules be damned so like for him to then be appointed the next captain didn't really fit especially in the context of like the first what 15 minutes of the episode yeah so I was expecting him to show up at that point kind of glad he didn't Um, (laughs) but also not a huge fan of forgotten his name again Pike Pike Pike. Christopher Pike yeah yeah yeah. Um, wasn't a huge fan yeah so like for anyone who hasn't watched the pilot in a long time it opens with the the bridge but it's a completely different cast except for Spock. Spock's the only mm-hmm. person who gets sort of carried forward into the rest of the series um and they've received this transmission and it's literally like a smudge uh, over the lens kind of thing. <laughs> it's like electromagnetic radiation is visible in space um and it's a distress call and, and Pike says, you know, no, like we're not going to answer it because it's unlikely that people have survived and we've got our own problems that we need to deal with. And he like wanders away to his bedroom and is there met by a doctor who's not Bones, um, who makes him a martini in this beaker glass. <laughs> and there's this like, you know, I can't take responsibility for other people's lives. Can't do it anymore. He's burnt out, totally burnt out. And he's not. Yeah, like I would definitely was like man like I'm really not digging you as a captain here I don't feel it like I can relate to your burnout but I don't really relate to you (laughs) like I related to his burnout too but for whatever reason I felt no sympathy for him no no there wasn't too much of a build-up and like this is both good and bad for me because I think the way they start it they kind of throw you into the world. There's not too much of a buildup. There's not too much of a exposition. This is how space works. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exposition. Like, you know, this is what a captain does. This is what these other people do. This is how like the beaming and stuff works. And like, I appreciated that. But also on the flip side of that, because you just threw us into the middle of the story, the burnout wasn't like a compelling backstory for this guy in yeah. a way where I wasn't irritated with him. And instead, you know, where I should have been sympathetic, I was just like, yeah yeah you're just whining and like especially (laughs) as we get later into the episode and part of the plot is him going back to times in his life I guess where he's had intense emotion the the most recent event that's supposed to have pushed him up you know to this point where he's ready to take a break was just very blah yeah yeah word right yeah like we get we get some idea from his conversation with the doctor that he was recently in an encounter where he was actually taken prisoner and like his personal human and two other people are dead and you can kind of see like some of the crew are injured like the guy who has carpal tunnel. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think maybe that's supposed to be he got that wound from you know or the injury from the previous encounter that's left the captain so burnt out. Right. Um, but then like 
well, we're jumping ahead a bit, so we can like maybe fill in a bit. Um, there's a change of plan because they receive another distress call that indicates that at least some people survived on this planet that is supposed to be not inhabited. There's a, mm -hmm. the distress signal is there was a, a ship that crashed on this planet. And so they go and mm -hmm. decide to check it out. Like, okay, there are people alive down there. And they go down and it's like a little colony of these poor scientists who've been crash landed there for 18 years. They're all old men dressed in like rags, old except for men. old <laughs> white men, exactly. Like <laughs> the crew is not like entirely totally white but it's a lot of weight in this pilot in this episode it's a lot of weight um but yeah so it's this little colony of like these poor white old man scientists who've been trapped on this planet for 18 years but there was a baby who survived and they've raised her as their own daughter person and so it's like beautifully made up blonde babe kind of emerges from the background <laughs> with makeup and it's and a dramatic reveal it's a very yeah, dramatic right? reveal. it's legitimately a dramatic reveal like it's it's presented as and it does prove to be an important plot point so to speak yeah. in this episode but it's very much like look at us we're scientists we survived because we're scientists that's awesome and then, you know, it's like the crowd parts and out walks this beautiful woman, woman, sorry, who's very out of place. And, you know, then they have to explain why she is the way she is. And then they continue to sort of like build the mystique around her by like, right. should we tell them the secret? Yeah, we should Let's tell them tell the secret. secret. Can we yeah. trust them? We can trust them. <laughs> <laughs> and right there, as again, someone who has watched other TV <laughs> um, my immediate call and our immediate call was it's a trap and guess what <laughs> it was a trap <laughs> it's a trap <laughs> um yeah it's totally a trap yeah. she's uh she um shows him to like a mysterious rock and then out of the rock appear these like three aliens with giant brains that are like three times bigger than ours mm -hmm. and they like wave a magic wand and he collapses captain mm -hmm. pike collapses and he's kidnapped into this rock elevator yeah. and disappears and then simultaneously the camp with all of the bewildered but you know still surviving um ancient white men scientists disappears as well and it turns out it was all an illusion including um, the beautiful lady including the beautiful lady she gone to shit into thin air <laughs> yeah Peach, you know yeah. this is why you don't get off at rando planets any <laughs> anytime you stay on your ship man <laughs> Yeah, and then the crew responds by taking their uh, very powerful looking laser guns, which I thought were, I think the I, at this point, I do want to say that I love the settings, the scenes, and I love the props so much right. because they seem, <laughs> like at this point, I, I also was saying while we were watching the show that you almost have to basically put yourself in the mindset of watching tv like two decades ago yeah where all of this doesn't seem necessarily as cartoony or as like you know um unsophisticated because i guess we're so much further along when it comes to making high quality like sci-fi yeah. graphics in movies now right so but one guy's literally walking around with what looks like a mini TV strapped <laughs> back <laughs> as a backpack and they've got these little laser guns and you know you said pew pew and I was like that's 100,000 <laughs> percent exactly what those guns would sound like and between them all they're obviously distressed that their captain's gone missing so they you know unleash the full force of these tiny laser guns onto this cave door 
but it doesn't budge because it's all powerful. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, so all sad, they go back to the ship. And at this point, um, I don't think she ever gets named, but number one is the number one. Yeah, the captain. lieutenant, the acting captain who is a lieutenant and is also called number one. So we don't know what her name is, but number one, number one. The only woman allowed on the bridge without irritating the captain. That's right. Because she's different, you know. Yeah. It's not not you. You're different. It's, you know, I can't stand this. He literally says something about how he doesn't like having women on the bridge, but then he looks at the lieutenant because she gives him a foul look, and he's like, "Not you, lieutenant. It, mm -hmm. It's different." Like, Which wow. Doesn't seem to pacify her much. Understandably. Why would it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, should it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so they get back onto the ship and now are reporting to number one and letting her know what's happened. And Carpal Tunnel Boy, whose name I don't know, um, Tyler, Taylor. I think it was Tyler. Taylor. Taylor. Tyler. One of the two. <laughs> but Carpal Tunnel Boy, he's got a little, like, I don't know, bandage around his wrist and arm. Yeah. So we presume this is injury from the last fight they had, like you were saying earlier. He proposes using some stronger piece of equipment weaponry, the ship the ship, the itself, ship like the, the power source of the ship i don't know it's not really clear i'm not really paying attention because when they transport it it just looks like a bigger laser so i was like at first right. i heard ship but i yeah. was like are you taking the whole ship <laughs> <laughs> maybe i kind of thought it was supposed to act a bit like a reflector that they were gonna like use oh. all of their like laser beams from the ship and then like focus it through the cannon into into the rock wall um long story short though right. space right. ship okay. i cannon don't thing. get star trek physics obviously right none of us do <laughs> mm -hmm. and it fails mm -hmm. anyway so it's not even you know we don't need to understand the physics because it doesn't work but Trip. at this point we do have to acknowledge that the there's again nobody's names man this is bad i should take better notes <laughs> um but an older white gentleman on the crew yeah uh, was against this plan when you know number one makes this call because he's like well they were able to put illusions, make us fall for illusions before. How will we know if we're succeeding or failing or what's happening? Very valid point. Yeah. But of course, we don't listen to the person who's making sense. Yeah. And that's the doctor. Lasers. That's I'm pretty oh, sure that doctor. was the doctor. And he's the one who makes martinis and beakers. So, like, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know if we should be taking him too seriously. <laughs> you know, like you can have <laughs> issues with alcohol, but you can still be high functioning. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you know he's got a medical degree so he knows something i know i'm just like you know i don't know labware is for lab work like <laughs> yeah it is it is i mean not anymore because that's novelty you know right what is it called novelty cutler you know novelty utensils these days yeah but, right yeah um oh i also on the subject of the doctor i don't want it to be forgotten that at one point he was talking about how his job is like that of a bartender's oh, yeah. because the two kinds of you know clientele you have are the living and the dying because you know <laughs> the rest of us have clientele that aren't are, alive or dead, or dead. <laughs> or, uh, yeah like you know that's a very unique set of clientele homie depot yeah. doesn't get the living and the dying no, <laughs> they get all. the other people, whoever those yeah. are. <laughs> like, I don't mean to sound facetious, but it is still entertaining when, you know, 
dialogue attempts to be like super deep and you know profound layered exactly the profundity is perhaps it's (laughs) made it's probably it's probably just too profound that we don't even get it like it's too much the doctors we need martinis and beakers to really understand what's happening i think that's what we need to start doing for for follow-up episodes is make sure we have beverages to match the occasion so well yeah i mean i can neither confirm nor deny that i had a beer before recording this so. okay so you were you were ahead of me <laughs> um, puh, um, puh. but you know we can make it a more formal thing um so the back to back to the show yeah yeah <laughs> the crew's attempts to um break into the vault or whatever don't work the ship laser thing fails miserably, but the doctor notes that we don't actually know because they could be projecting illusions mm-hmm. into our mind. Um, number one reminds us that it's powerful enough that the whole top of that no thing should have been blasted off. Blasted, just, just gone. Right. Totally. Yeah. In the meantime, we have learned that the captain has indeed been kidnapped by space aliens whose heads are about three times bigger than ours that have massive brains that from behind literally look like butts on the back of their head. And have Com- veins that pulsate. <laughs> yes, complete with veins that pulsate. Um, I'm honestly like super curious as to like how they actually made that effect work because it's like creepy and like it you know I don't yeah I don't know how they did it it's distracting it's so creepy um it makes it almost look like it was like it was like a piece of you know tarp or something that was like yeah. a nice tarp I guess that's put on your yeah. head and then they made like channels that weren't glued down right pumped air through air it. through it yeah yeah that's what it felt like but also it only pulses when or at least that's the impression I had is when they're either transmitting their thoughts or yeah. transmitting knowledge or yeah. reading each other's minds. So right. it's like symbolic pulsing. Right. Like they're shunting more blood to their brain in order to use their special mm-hmm. powers, which their special powers include telepathy and also projecting illusions into the minds of their victims, AKA Captain Pike. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, poor guy figures out that he's in a zoo. Basically, he's in a little uh-huh. enclosure. Um, he's being kept as a zoo animal. And what does one do uh-huh. when one keeps a zoo? One gets pairs of all of your animals so that they have companionship. Um, and so lo and behold, and can make babies. <laughs> exactly, and can reproduce. And uh, lo and behold, after establishing that yes, he's a zoo animal and is trapped and will never get out, and the ana- and the aliens with butt brains can um, communicate with him telepathically. Um, Vina, the 18-year-old survivor of the sh- crash among the scientists, reappears. And uh, when asked why she's here. Her answer is to please you or, well, I can do anything. I can be anything. I'll do whatever pleases you. Yeah, which, like, is really, yeah. (laughs) It was was a pretty creepy moment. Like, I feel like from the very beginning of this episode, as soon as she made an appearance, the longing glances and, you know, the sort of, like, close-ups and or pauses on his face and her face as they started to get to know each other were i appreciate what was attempted but it just came off as being extremely creepy especially when you don't know that she was an illusion and you actually perceive her as being an 18 year old yeah because captain pike is not it's not 20. 18 <laughs> like, you know like a couple of years older he's yeah. an older man who's yeah very attracted to this young you know quote unquote newball girl <laughs> yeah 
who's like, yeah, presented literally as a teenager. Yeah. It's like, ooh, ooh, oh, yeah. Ooh, and then ooh. to follow that up with, again, we have no context to think whether, like, no ref- frame of reference to believe or continue to, you know, believe whatever we've known so far, which is that she's 18. And yeah. then you have her say something like, I'm here to please you. <laughs> and, like, at this point, we're not even sure if she's real. Like, is she yeah. actually an illusion that she's yeah. as an illusion? Yeah. Um, so we go through several um kind of like dream experiences except that they're illusions being projected by the aliens and over this we get some more exposition of like the the event right before this episode in which pike was held captive um so he relives this conflict in like a medieval looking castle against a monstrous beast and like I mean, you know, well, <laughs> it's a fight scene in mm-hmm. Star Trek, which you will come to appreciate what that means <laughs> as we go to along. Me, it felt like a scene <laughs> in a Shakespeare play. It was like, yeah. <laughs> to, again, my limited, I'm just an appreciate, a person who appreciates, you know, the fine arts, doesn't have a lot of personal experience or education in the field. But to me, there's two kinds of acting. There's acting on screen in television or films. Yeah. And then there's acting on the stage where, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're projecting not just your voice, but literally your face and its yeah. expressions to a crowd full of people that are, you know, meters and meters away from you. Yeah. And especially Vina in this scene was just like a fantastic stage actress. Stage actress, yeah. But it came across like so played up and like just some yeah. of her facial expressions were so fantastic. And like yeah. I watch everything with subtitles and like, almost closed captions. And so the dramatic music. Right. <laughs> and the mysterious music was just like, I don't get the impression that this scene is that mysterious or dramatic because when you look at the actual action that's taking place on the screen, there's not a lot going not on. Not a lot going on there. <laughs> no. And I guess like that's also interesting because, you know, he talks about being, I guess like we're supposed to make the connection between this scene being this, like this experience being traumatizing because he was in a cage mm-hmm. and now he's in a cage again. But like, you know, the the symbolism is there on paper, but we don't really feel it resonate through like I don't really feel like he's reliving this traumatic experience is more just like Mm -hmm. I don't know something's happening um so that was like I think part of why it fell flat and then the other thing is you know he says like I lost three people and that's one of the reasons why he's burnt out but we don't see those people in this experience it's just he's I guess Vina is supposed to be a stand-in for those people there but she's just like stealing the show with her racial expressions so we don't really get it (laughs) well you don't get the impact because like is this reliving supposed to be about him experiencing the feelings again? Because there's, you know, an implication in the scene after where he's sort of asking her for clarification of what it is that's happening. Why are they doing the things they're doing? Mm-hmm. And she sort of implies that living other people's lives through these illusions and their dreams is a narcotic. Mm-hmm. And at the time, it's not clear if it's narcotic to the person who's living in the dream or these like gigantic brain creatures, Talosians, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, I understood it to mean that the big brain people are the ones who are kind of like getting, you know, a thrill and a high yeah. from having these people live their illusions. So if that's the case, this is pretty dull. Yeah. Like, <laughs> as far as lived experiences go, like, was this really thrilling for you? Him fighting this, like, I don't know, maybe deliberately super primitive villain character. Yeah in this empty castle and not necessarily having to relive either the trauma of losing people he cares about 
or replace that trauma with this triumphant memory of saving those people that he cares about and not this random, you know, illusion 18 year old girl. So (laughs) I don't really understand where that illusion fits in in the grand scheme of things. And having watched the whole episode, I still can't really tell you what the point of those dream sequences really is beyond exposition, like you were saying. Yeah. Well, so like as we we move through this one and then the next one, they're going through this like picnic scene and it's back on earth and and she's talking about them as if they're married and saying, you know, like this is the illusion. This is what you wanted that you talked about, like walking away from being a captain. Um, and uh, and so, you know, and he kind of points out that like there's definitely concerted efforts on the parts of the aliens to form a connection between the two of them that they're kind of being pushed together and thrown through these circumstances for him to to bond with her in a way Mm -hmm. um and she's kind of here for it right she's like oh yeah i'm here for for you i can be whatever you want so um by by this point um back up on on the starship enterprise um, the crew is like, okay, well, screw it. We can't like blast a hole in. Let's just try and beep down there. Like we've done our measurements. It might be an illusion. You might get like rematerialized into solid rock, which would suck balls. So mm-hmm. if you don't want to volunteer, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going. And uh, Spock and number one and the female Yeoman and a couple other people all get up on the pad and the two women get beamed down, but the men don't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still stuck there. And the two women appear in the enclosure with Captain Pike and Vina, the mysterious woman. And the alien comes in and totally sets up a, like, look, you didn't want to have sex with Vina and make babies. So here's another two females to choose from. Like, have also, at it. in this time, I think we become more sure the fact that Vina is a real person. Yes. Who right. is on this planet because she basically implies that, um, they've tortured her into sort of being as submissive as she is. So she's basically being punished anytime she does anything that's not in agreement with what they're asking her to do and that they're keen on, you know, getting, they have all these specimens and they're basically continuing this, this lineage of all these specimens and how they have multiple species and how historically these, these big brain creatures had a lot of technology but they've evolved to a point where they can't you know use these ancient technologies anymore because they don't they've forgotten how to repair them so there's like a few different theories as to why they want these human creatures none of which to me at least like very solidly get confirmed or denied necessarily until sort of the end um and so she's basically been tortured into a position where she's cool with it like she's cool with pleasing him you know, out of coercion realistically, but she's okay with it. And she's okay with acknowledging the fact that she wants to have babies with him. Yeah. And I think the flashback or sorry, the dream sequence of them going to his sort of like hometown essentially, or this like idyllic earth life that he wanted to lead with picnics with his wife and horses that he feeds sugar to and stuff. um, They sort of like have this experience, this dream experience as husband and wife and she at this point also admits that she's being made to look like what they consider would be most appealing to him mm-hmm. and that he has been chosen right. and like captured because that's what they probed her brain to find she would find most attractive yeah. or what she envisioned for her mate. So essentially it's like creepy forced alien 
bachelor i guess <laughs> where they're each you know listing a list of things that they want and then they get given each other or like <laughs> like instacart or whatever the grocery delivery service you use yeah. is for a life partner to <laughs> reproduce for an alien species like that's exciting <laughs> but yeah so all of this has just occurred when now he's faced with the choice of or no another thing has happened he's also realized that they can't read his mind when he's having quote-unquote primitive thoughts right if it's like angry exactly when he's like super mad when he's having a tantrum they can't tell what he's thinking because i guess that's beneath them right Um, (laughs) it's not sophisticated enough (laughs) at all and he has this tantrum as he realizes that there's a little like cupboard thing that they you know drop off his nutrient protein mm. solution through kool-aid um yeah <laughs> space so kool-aid like his... <laughs> and, and honestly that little opening is the star of the episode because yeah. it's the only reason anything happens later <laughs> in the episode is that he's able to stick his hand through it yeah. yeah so now we're chronologically at the point where he's got the three ladies who do you want to have babies with <laughs> who do you want to have babies with um and he's just kind of like none none of the above thanks let's not <laughs> let's not go there um and he takes the the two phaser laser guns that the ladies have brought down and he drops them conveniently very close to the little portal through which his nutrients are delivered essentially baiting a trap he mm-hmm. and the ladies then like all curl up on the couch and go to sleep and uh, we see one of the brain aliens come down in his elevator and he like comes out of the elevator and stares at humans in their enclosure and then glides away around the corner um <laughs> very, very artfully i was so that artful was it's stunning. like yeah it's like you've seen that video of like the i think they're russian dancers where they wear the long dresses and they go up yeah. on their toes and they have like such tiny feet steps footsteps that they look like they're, they're gliding like this guy this guy absolutely doing that basically so he glides away also, and he's, sorry to keep yeah sorry to keep cutting back but also no. um really really entertaining scene to me was when he refuses to choose between the three eves so so to speak like his you know future mother of his children um the brain creature tries to like basically essentially like a tv show tell him what the good and bad things about each oh right yes is right yeah so number one (laughs) exactly so number one is very smart but like not super emotional but she's had dirty dreams about you bro totally she fantasized (laughs) about hitting that (laughs) you hot but i'm not gonna tell you because i'm no because i am number one and i am a computer basically yes Yes. and on the other end of the spectrum you have the new yeoman who is on the bridge when women shouldn't be who isn't (laughs) smart and the brain explicitly (laughs) says so but is has a higher than you know i guess expected drive for a female of this species so she's not professional and really wants to boink her boss yeah boink, boink. <laughs> <laughs> but i did i did love that like basically you know here there's two cars this car yeah. is the- this car does this. Does this. Yeah. And I do you want. And the poor yeoman's like, I don't know. She looks like she might be 18. Yeah. <laughs> <This> poor kid. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, so now that we've gone through like the exposition of, you know, which behind this door is your new bride, like <laughs> they capture the alien who then wants to take the lasers um, mm-hmm. through the porthole and uh, basically rough him up and threaten him with their phasers into revealing that they have in fact blasted a hole through their enclosure and can escape. And uh, they take him up to the surface of the planet and are like, yeah, we're free, but we can't like call the ship and meanwhile, the ship's like going into a panic because their ship drive is dying and they don't have batteries and shit and we're going to die. Um, they can't even escape to like get further away from the planet at this point. Um, and so, you know, there's a stand up of like, well, what's going to happen now? And that's kind of, to be honest, I was thinking, like you said, you know, it's an hour long and kind of towards the middle. It's like, oh, like, where are we going with this? Wait, I don't actually know how this is going to end. Like, mm-hmm. it was cool. It was like, yeah, like there's no... I don't know how this is going to end. It's going to be a surprise because I don't remember how this episode goes. Um, so that was like, yeah. that was nice. <laughs> it's like, how are they going to do it? How are they going to get out of this? Um, yeah. Uh, but the alien, of course, is like, we have you exactly where we want you on the surface of this planet. Because we've been told earlier that it's a, a wasteland due to wars and they don't even know how to like fix it. And so they need another species that's highly adaptable and compliant to be bred as a slave population to re like to terraform the planet back into a a habitable space basically um and And uh come to a point where it is even habitable in to the degree that it is that's apparently a very recent development right so i imagine they were only able to i guess very actively act on their plan to repopulate with human beings quite recently which is probably why all of this is happening in the present um but and at the same time something else that's happened in parallel is the people who were left on the ship um including spock noticed that you know these creatures are accessing all the data they have on on the ship essentially like everything to do with basically like an encyclopedia about human beings is being downloaded yep. by this species. And at the same time, the ship, because Spock, now the new acting captain, wants to make the decision for the, you know, what's in the best interest of whoever's left and get out of there. But of course, just as soon as he finishes saying that sentence is when the ship's like, nope, not doing it and powers <laughs> off and there's no power and they can't go anywhere and they're stuck yeah. there. So like these two things have happened in parallel. So while Pike is having his like standoff with the alien, um, the ship is also unable to leave, so they're stranded. Stranded. It's an impasse. What are we gonna do? Um, and uh, and the stalemate is broken by number one, who comes to the rescue, <laughs> and she turns a dial on her little phaser. I, I think she actually just cranks the barrel a couple of times. Um, and we're told that in fact she is overlarging, over overcharging, yeah. <laughs> overlarging, overcharging it, overlarging it. Um, the phaser. So apparently it'll explode. We get the impression it's going to act like a hand grenade and, and kill everybody around. And uh, and so you know they're they're more they're more intent on dying than being enslaved. And mm-hmm. the aliens just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> what? What a waste. Do you just want to live? <laughs> Don't you? Yeah, like, isn't this cool? But then the a couple other of the brain aliens come out and they say, no, 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 like, they're, they're not dicking around with you. We just scanned their encyclopedia. They fucking whack. They mm-hmm. whack. Let mm-hmm. them go. We do not want them. <laughs> Very much give me freedom or give me death. <laughs> yeah, they are. 
I can't remember the exact words, but uh, according to the aliens, humans are particularly averse to captivity. We would, we are not domesticatable is the take home message I got mm-hmm. from that. Um, and, and so saves us exactly great message, you know? Yeah. We're just batshit crazy and would much rather like die and take everybody with us than like submit to farming a planet, you know? And yeah. for a second, Vina is totally on board with like them killing themselves rather than being slaves. Yeah. But then when it's determined that the aliens think that human beings are useless because they need someone who's submissive and need someone who they can sort of lord over. And this species is clearly not compatible with that. They are like, okay, we'll, we'll let you go. Peace out. Um, at that point is when she's like, uh, actually, maybe I'll just stay here. And mm-hmm. then we have the big reveal about the reveal. The- true appearance because it turns out that you know appearances are important obviously and she's really enjoying looking like a bombshell 18 yeah 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 (laughs) um and then she transforms into her real appearance which is an interesting moment and like kind of interesting in that it's sort of like a mirror to how much physical appearances are valued and how much of an impact they make not just to help people perceive you but how you perceive yourself totally because she gets highly uncomfortable when she returns to the way she actually looks because when her ship crash landed onto the planet, she was basically rescued from wreckage and these big brain creatures didn't know what human beings actually look like. So when they put her back together, quote unquote, <laughs> they basically, according to her, made her the way she is, which she perceives as being ugly and, you know, there's like two things there that I found interesting. One was that the, the sort of underlying implication that otherwise she was pretty and the only reason she's ugly is because they put her back together without knowing how she needed to be put back together. Yeah. And the other that, you know, it's not just enough that you're alive. It is actually like a detriment to be, to appear the way she does, right? Yeah. Like that the way she looks is a huge enough deal to her that she would much rather stay, stay. in this place where they would mentally torture her. She doesn't do exactly what they tell her them to do. Yeah. Than to go to a place where people might think, you know, you're anything less than this like attractive persona. Yeah. Not to judge her too harshly for that because we're complicated as human beings. We have a lot of insecurities. There's a lot of things that, you know, influence how we make our choices. But damn. Like, yeah. It's like, it's sad. It's, you know, I think like throughout the episode, we're kind of, or at least I'm like really critical of Vina because it's like, you know, she just like emerges out of the wasteland and she's just this totally implausible, you know, perfectly made up 18 year old. And then she's, you know, this beautiful, um, uh, you know, female prize that's placed in front of Pike and she gets kind of snitty with the other women and is like, you would make terrible Edens and I would be the best, blah, blah, blah. He's already chosen me. Like, it's not a good look. It is, mm-hmm. It's not a good look. Um, but then at the end, you know, she makes this choice of like, no, like, I can't, I can't do it. Like, I want to be here. I want to live in this illusion, even if there are, you know, they could yeah. torture me or whatever. So it's like, it feels kind of, I don't know, she feels a bit more human after that. I'm like, okay, totally. like, yeah. Yeah. And like, you can, and I think here's when you can actually like start to sympathize with where she is. Yeah. This is kind of Stockholm syndrome I guess. Totally. Right? Yeah. And to her, like, They've only, in her mind, they've only punished her when she hasn't complied. But I guess she's also at a point now where complying doesn't seem like the end of the world. So she's right. like content to sort of live in peace with her captors, essentially, and just live out her days. But like, I also don't know how 
because the brain species lives forever essentially it sounds like. yeah so i don't know how her lifespan is affected living there and like mm-hmm. is it a matter of just like living out her days or i don't know a lifelong ahead of her where she absolutely needs to look this way or feel this way to like continue or have the will to go on yeah but yeah that was and also it was just like at that point again you come back to to me at least the fact that this was made a couple of decades ago (laughs) more than a couple of decades ago because the deformities they choose to sort of show her with is just like the most monstery you know special effects makeup ever Uh, yeah in that her like deformities when when she's like they didn't know how to put me back together i would have loved if it if it turned out that you know her leg was attached to her shoulder and, totally like, this her, i was hoping for was it attached to her nose or something to that <laughs> yes. effect but it was very much just like science she's, in, she's a little hunchback <laughs> yeah. she's clearly gone through an accident so her skin looks like it's recovering yeah. from burns and she's got a slash across her face and her nose looks a little bent out of bent. shape yeah so she's like no, <laughs> I want my version. I want you to have like Lar- an arm on the back of your neck. I don't know. Totally. I was so hoping for that, especially because for that scene, the reveal of like what she looks like in reality, it's um, it's a close shot. It's a, uh, it's not medium. It's not wide. It's whatever it is. Narrow. Um, so it's really tight on like her face and you can sort of see her shoulder coming forward into like the hunchback. And I was thinking like, man, like we got to have a medium shot where it shows that like, it's just her feet, like it's her leg. <laughs> it's her leg attached to the shoulder and she's just kind of waving a foot around. Like this is what needs I to happen. And it doesn't. love that. I would have loved that. And <laughs> then the other thing, this is me just being nitpicky and a pedant, however you say that. Yeah. But um when she transforms of course her hair ages too right yeah that's something that happens but it's like super short and well maintained who's giving her haircuts on this telogian totally why is her hair (laughs) an 18 year old long pile touching yeah touching the ground like what the hell yeah (laughs) who's grooming her (laughs) um yeah there were a lot well i mean we were left with a lot of unanswered questions but that was definitely a big one (laughs) real question yeah yeah so we see the reveal we don't see whether she has a leg for an arm which i'm gonna you know what because we don't see it i'm gonna choose to pretend that that's what happened that she hobbles into the cave at the end no but like that's after they've like put her back they've like reestablished the illusion of her being like the the 18 year old or whatever um so i'm gonna i'm gonna stick to it i'm gonna you know I can't let it go. I'm just gonna. That's canon. It's canon for cause. me. Vita yeah. had a leg where she should have had an arm. End of story. But yeah. Um. And so they turn her back, or they they recreate the illusion of her looking beautiful and and young. And then they create a pike to go with her. <laughs> Keep her company. Here you go. We're just gonna duplicate Christopher Pike, and you two lovebirds go and have a good time. Go take that elevator back down. Captors. Yeah, benevolent and generous, so benevolent, and emotionally generous captors. Yeah, so. you know. Yeah, I mean, they've spent like 18 years torturing her, so they got to give her a little back, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's easy to be nice when you're, you know, all tired from being horrible for right? <laughs> ages. So. Yeah. But yeah, and like Kirk actually, or not Kirk, sorry, what's his name? Pike. Pike, Pike actually offers to stay behind with her, but yeah. you know, when they create this illusion Pike, she's content. Yeah. He gets to go back. Go back. And, 
they're back on the ship and off to, I don't know if they were going home or to the original mission they were on, which was, the I Vegan guess, to go to a different planet. system yeah. or something, yeah. Totally. And so, yeah, he's back to being captain and he, like, jokes with the doctor about how this was exactly the, you know, rest Break he needed. Yeah, because yeah, how self-sacrificing of him. Wow, yeah. what, a, what an amazing captain, of course, we call it. Totally. Right? <laughs> and then... <laughs> Um, yeah, he's back to commanding the ship, and number one is back to her position of being lieutenant, on, I guess. On the helm, lieutenant on the helm. And then we end on jokes, of course, because it's, you know, a lighthearted and wonderful show that shouldn't be taken too seriously. And we have yeah. the young, you know, implied sexually charged yeoman come up to him and bump into him, because, of course, that's comedy. And yeah. hand her off this report that he gets from her every day at five. And he starts to say, no women on the bridge. And she, like, <laughs> has the report because she's the ever-efficient EA, basically, in this situation. Yep. And then she's like, well, if you had to pick an Eve, who would you have picked? And everybody laughs, essentially. This is, like, this sitcom version of laughing to a live audience. <laughs> Except that he, um... The lieutenant number one gives her a sharp look and says, yeah, man. And, you know, she goes <laughs> skittering away. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then Pike criticizes the doctor for being essentially a pervy old man for some reason, which yep. I didn't quite understand. And then off we go with a very realistic spaceship flying uh-huh. into the far expanses <laughs> of the universe. <laughs> right. <sighs> I can't even... So I'm creeping on the actor who played Christopher Pike now, um, just because he seemed really familiar to me. And I was just like, who are you? But um, shockingly, no, really, that seems kind of strange to me. Um, That I think that might have been his last um, TV appearance. What else has he been in? Um, Other stuff? I don't know. Nothing I would recognize, I imagine, so... Um, no, although this is kind of strange because, right, so the original seasons came out in 1966, 67, and 68, but the pilot episode that he's credited in is supposed to have come out in 1988, so I wonder if the pilot never aired, if they made the pilot in order to convince the studio to fund the series and then never aired it. Interesting, because we're watching this on Netflix, so I guess it doesn't necessarily have to reflect what was right in real time. Yeah, so the 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 pilot episode is supposed to have aired in 1986, but if it was a pilot, it would have predated the other episodes, so it would have been mm-hmm. in 1966. So I don't know, but yeah, he's like in um, a lot of Western movies. Oh, he plays Jesus in a movie called King of Kings, which I have never heard of, but I now want to watch. He brings that gravitas to this role as well. Totally. He sense it, you know, in his righteousness. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really yeah. nice seeing Spock because I do know who Leonard Nimoy is. Leonard! That was him. Yeah. Um, didn't really recognize anyone else. And I think it was like a nice, soft... I actually... I'm glad that I saw the pilot rather than maybe whatever aired. We'll find out if right. we feel, yeah. feel about the next episode. But it was it was a pretty nice soft landing into a genre that I don't consider, you know, my area of expertise or like my what I gravitate towards by default. Like, yeah, honestly, given the choice, I go for much sort of like 
simpler narratives in the sense of like not having to familiarize familiarize myself with like brand new creatures and worlds and the and technology totally and like not not because i don't enjoy all of that but i'm a very lazy lazy consumer <laughs> of content i want to do as little work as possible like i'm open to crying about stuff but memorizing yeah. <laughs> while watching a show for fun is not my idea of fun i guess <laughs> no this was this was great like it wasn't yeah. too much it was like a, a nice easy transition um yeah and I'm, I'm interested to see and like I I did ask you this and it sounds like each episode will be sort of like an a, you know independently packaged individually packaged adventure which mm-hmm. is exactly what I would be looking for I don't want overarching storylines as much as possible because that's exactly where my <laughs> memory will be our downfall <laughs> um but yeah that was the first episode and I guess since we're just kind of getting a feel for um how to wrap these episodes up for you guys um i think it could be pretty fun to sort of arbitrarily rate them on some sort of scale that carries no weight or meaning and is just purely for our own (laughs) pleasure (laughs) and for this one i think we should rate on a scale of one to five buttheads where five buttheads means this episode intellectually and emotionally stimulated to a point where if you had veins on your butt head they would be pulsing like crazy yeah and one is the opposite (laughs) (laughs) was this episode a narcotic for you in the way that um captain pike's dreams were a narcotic to the butt brains or in the way that captain pike was for vina Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did, it, did it make you want to have sexy times with your own dream person? <laughs> Not. It's getting a little hard to follow now because I don't remember the original <laughs> scale. <laughs> One to five but, butt brains. One to five butt yeah. brains. Buttheads. Buttheads. Okay. Yeah. Buttheads. Yeah. So for me, I'd say it's like a solid four. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. It was maybe a little long. Not that I felt it, but in the grand scheme of things, still a little long. And I think you're mentioning it's a little draggy in the middle and like now that we've talked about it too it does strike me that it was a little bit sort of there was a peak in the beginning a peak at the end and a bit of a trough in the middle in the middle yeah yeah totally yeah um i i'm gonna aim like a little bit lower and say 3.5 mm-hmm. but head half butt, butt brains yeah just taking that half butt um i think because uh i think i just prefer kirk as a captain no you know what it was it was the the conversation with the doctor in the very beginning when he's like burnt out and he's having his martini right. and I was just like oh man like I don't know this just kind of turned me off you a little yeah. bit and oh, so then after we that forgot the creepy scene which creepy scene where she's green oh my gosh yeah oh yeah. that was also, like okay actually yeah. I'm pulling it down to a three butt heads because yeah. there's a scene that we forgot to get into where there's like some manipulation where they're like, oh, he's not responding to the dreams we put in, into so far because they're too like normal and not tapping yeah. into his base desires. Right. And so in response to that, they put him on this planet where he's like basically, I don't know, like some king that has yeah. the equivalent of an alien harem. And Vina is this very scantily clad green, green lady dancing around and he's sort of uncomfortable with how much he's enjoying it almost and yeah. the people who are sitting around him are being ultra creepy about how ultra he creepy. gets off on submission and being able to tell people to do stuff and they just do it for him so that creepiness while i don't think it added too much to the plot to be honest but yeah. 
maybe it was world building. I don't know. But that creepiness definitely takes down a butt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now that you brought that up, yeah, I think I'll, I'll bring it down to a three, two. It's like you can be, I mean, maybe this is a little too much of like projecting modern standards onto mm-hmm. um, TV of the time, but it's like, I don't think you need to resort to like what are obvious tasteless stereotypes about yeah. exoticness in order yeah. to make a point. Like, yeah, that yeah, was. They, that, they that go was into good. that dream talking about something to do with like foreign land and it's just very, very. Yeah check all the boxes of what's what's considered hot and what is like this you know man in a position of power want deep down in his brain that he doesn't think especially acceptable let's just treat exotic women as chattel slavery like (laughs) maybe that went a little too dark but yeah that was definitely not great yeah Yeah. not not ending on the high but still like i i think green vena needed to be acknowledged and yeah yeah, she she did a good dance though. That was yeah, some good dancing. That was some pretty good part. dancing. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Vina's dancing saves that scene. <laughs> yeah, but nothing else about it is nothing really palatable. It. And like no. I I would consider myself like willing to make concession for the time in which it was recorded and viewed, not to say that it makes it okay for people to be thinking yeah. that way, but like I don't wanna again cancel them or whatever right. for not, you know have not breaking out of the conditioning or the common yeah. way of thought on their own at that time but that was a little bit icky a lot icky actually pretty, pretty icky and at some point it's like okay like there's only so much that like the time and the audience can get you before it's like no this was just like this, this was oh, this was also just icky even for its time like i think it was probably, meant to be like, yeah yeah that's true something he's uncomfortable with right but. he's uncomfortable and maybe we're supposed to be really uncomfortable too mm-hmm. but it's kind of like uh there's a little too much of like i don't know catering to a male gaze somehow <laughs> that just makes it like i think this is also for a portion of your audience to just yeah. enjoy a woman dancing scantily clad and having some other bit. characters sort of like normalize that <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah i guess historically i wonder if I mean, at least now the representation often seems to be that the primary audience for this kind of a show is a specific kind of normally male, right? Like yeah. that's sort of the general, what's the word, stereotypical sort of like vision you might have of the audience for this kind of show. So it would possibly appeal or resonate with that the male audience. Yeah. Audience. But yeah, so I guess... It comes out to an average of three butt heads mm-hmm. out of five, which is yeah. not too shabby. Not bad. A pilot, actually, yep. all things considered, because I feel yep. like most shows build up from there. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe Kirk's going to ruin it. Maybe Pike was peak. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um, we will find out, I guess. And uh-huh. I think that's it for us for this episode. Um next week we will get to the next episode so yeah tune in and maybe watch ahead if you'd like to catch us in all the plot points that we miss and have to come back to (laughs) at weird times and yeah if you enjoy this please do subscribe and you know leave reviews wherever reviews can be left we're we're pretty new to this so yeah great thanks for listening guys catch you next time all right bye